You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. friends welcome back to storyteller conclave this is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can whether you are a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level i am sarah i'm rob how we doing rob Uh, you know what i'm trying to figure that out (laughs) yeah i think this week has been Oddly indiscernible. Like, it's the opposite of divination. Like, I feel like I botched divination rolls to get to this point. <laughs> <laughs> I Admittedly, I think I've, I'm, I've been having the same kind of week. Um, I have uh, – uh, I think the time changeover – yeah, um, has has done me in, and the uh, the gloomy weather and the cold and stuff like that, and I just kind of had a funk. Yeah, I could see that. I realized I didn't do like I didn't paint any miniatures whatsoever. Look, I've got a backlog of miniatures I need to paint. Yeah, I didn't yeah. do I didn't do crap in the month of October. Jack and Squat got Jack done. and Squat got yeah. done. Now I will say this. I will say this. We at least got the show sheet done. Yeah, we have a good topic. Yep, and it's a new month. And it's a new month. You know what a new month tells us? It tells us this new beginning and a new chance to start over. And new Patreon rewards. New Patreon rewards. Speaking of which, we have a contributor. Knox has stepped up. This guy. Level. This guy. This guy right here. Right here. Who is with us. Who, who hoorahs our whole thing. He is. He has been doing an amazing thing. And for that, we, we love you, Knox. We love you very much. Absolutely. So he has now earned a spot at the table. Where uh, now once a month he can actually submit us, and he already has. We're not going to say what it is, mm-hmm. but we'll get to it. Uh, an idea for the show, and uh, so we're going to fit that into the schedule, um, and uh, and and do a, a, a Knox request. Yeah, and, and I think it's a great it's a too. great request. Too. Yeah, it is it's a great a request. really it great request. So uh, I will say uh, I will say if you'd like to join us on this journey, you too can get up to the contributor level on Patreon and join us. And if we get too many of those, you know what? That's fine. That's fine. I, we will do shows that, by request. That's a problem I would love to have. I'd love to have that problem. But yeah. that's not what we're doing today. No. Nope. We're doing divination, but you guys already knew that. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny and appropriate. Um, Because when we first were – I mean when we sketched out kind of our show list, I, I looked at divination and I said, this is a topic we can talk about but we can expand on because so much of it is uh, wrapped in perception, mm-hmm. not just – you know the idea of doing divination based on perception in that sense and that foresight is perception based um but the fact that people have a perception of what divination is in a system and sometimes it's adversarial i find and i find that that's i think we can unlock that a yeah, little bit and we yeah. can we can help move away from it i think there's a lot of stuff that kind of go into that like adversarial you know dm versus players relationship and and, and that's definitely what, like i i think divination is probably like in the top three things that become very adversarial yeah you know? yeah so let's let's talk about what divination is in a i will say system agnostic way mm-hmm. um 
and I was I was doing things um, and, and looking at different opinions on it like, you know, is it a dream of something terrible to come that's inevitable or is it intuition about uh, something else or is it a glimpse of, of, of truth in the case of like, you know, asking a, a GM a question. Mm-hmm. And I found a really great paragraph from um, a blog post, which is RGP Pundit and RPG Pundit. And he does a lot of discussion, simple like one-page blog posts about different things. And he went over divination in systems. Mm -hmm. But he took it from like a really fantastic perspective. So I'm going to read this. It's a little long, but I think it's going to help us square up divination as a whole. And that is divination works by looking at the present and at the flow of events with a special perspective. And I think that right there is the simplistic form of what divination is. It is it is simply a, a perspective of events present and the flow of those moving forward. And mm-hmm. again, perspective is the key there. Now, a divination system is a system of symbols that put, to, put together create a kind of scale model or organizational system to describe reality. And I was like, okay, that's really neat. So whether it's tarot or reading bones or tea leaves or or any number of things. Because again, it's perception based. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, if I'm communing with the god of the wild and I ask a question, I may see leaves floating in a certain direction. And I know what that means. A squirrel may chitter at you in a certain way. Exactly. That's the answer. Right. And so that's – it is it is a system of that, those markers, those symbols to help us. Mm -hmm. Now, as the – as symbols, these systems can intuitively connect with our human consciousness so that even someone who has almost zero experience with a deck of tarot cards could could just intuitively feel – their way around them and maybe, assuming they've exercised their intuition at all, get a glimpse of the message a card reading is trying to tell them. But a magician, on the other hand, studies these symbols profoundly, connecting them on both an intuitive and intellectual level. Thus, he gains an ability, he develops a very good skill at being able to use divination system to take a reading of his own situation of the balance of his elements, of the trends that are going on for him in the present and how likely these are to go in the future, and get ideas of how to shift them subtly in order to make a positive change. Likewise, he can do the same for other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the succinct difference is, is that as we look at systems, we're looking at people who are practiced in this. Like anybody in a system could technically try and divine and use bones or tarot or whatever, sure. you know, to come up with something. And it will it might give them some kind of an answer with some int- intuition. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a raw skill check. But someone who has studied in it, a, a master of the craft, is going to understand it on a different level. And it was made very plain to me. I was talking with my wife about it, and she does tarot. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, you know, a normal person will look, you know, and they pull a card and like, oh, it's a death card. That means That means it's a bad omen. And she immediately was just like, no. No, that means that change. means change. And yeah. I'm like, and that's the difference. You're practiced and studied. Mm-hmm. And not just the one card. You're looking at everything around it. You're looking at the situation. You're looking at the question. And that gives you a different intuition and reading on the whole situation. So that kind of a design 
changes your mind a little bit about what divination really is and what it means. Um, and we're kind of keep that in the back of our head as we as we kind of shift through the discussion. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say runes. I'll get there, Technolich. I personally am a runes <laughs> person. I'm a person of runes. My wife is a tarot reader, uh, but I've always done runes. Um, but yeah, it's there's different ways that different systems have used this, and I think even moving between systems of uh, different versions of D and D, they have shifted their thoughts on how divination should work. And I think 5th edition has made it a very system-centric but still giving you some room. They've they've worked out how it should work in the system. But, I mean, there's still like you, the DM has to answer yes-no questions, but they could be cryptic or filled with riddles. Mm-hmm. You know, that's great. But there's some things I'm going to talk about that later that I don't necessarily agree with. Um, But, like, you've got a a fifth edition, which I mean, divination's got a whole school. There's foresight. There's all kinds of stuff in that. There's tons of things that fall under divination. Yeah. Um. And but the one that I think everybody follows is the divination spell itself. Um. And I put the reading in there for what it is. Um. I don't know if we want to go through it, but effectively, um. The the way that it works is that, uh. There's a, a cumulative chance also that you could get better results if you ask the question multiple times. But effectively, the reply may be short phrase or a cryptic rhyme or an omen. And that, I think, at least for my opinion, does a disservice to the player. It's not a low-level spell. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, it takes time. It's an effort. It's no different than, a, you know, a, a, a swordsman who's perfected their art walking up and trying to take on, you know, some kind of Goliath creature. Sure. If they roll well, they do well. But this person has studied and done things. Why are we giving them cryptic responses that they may not understand? I think they're too studied to not understand them. I, I mean, it. it I, I kind of go a little bit, a little bit both ways on this one. Um, on one hand, uh, I absolutely 100% agree with you that, uh, you know, if it's their thing, mm-hmm. if they, if they expend the resources, they have access to the spell, they're studied in it, they should, they should be able to intuit a good answer from it. Right. But there are some times when those answers just aren't certain. I agree. I, you know, and that's, and, and that's, that's I think when it's okay, like, I agree. Give them a foggy answer because the, because the outcome is foggy. Correct. You know, and that's, that's that infinite realities where it's based on perspective. Sure. Perspective. I sure. mean, if you're asking a god, you know, mm-hmm. where can I find the sword of damnation? In well, his mind, time may be relative, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, he might also be like, you'll find it in the hands of this person. Sure. Great. That doesn't tell you where he is, mm-hmm. but that's the honest answer of where you're going to find that damn sword. Right. But it, you know, if, if it's will we win this battle? Right. Dude, I don't know. No. Uh, if the wind is at your back and the strength is in your arm, then victory shall be sung at the end of the day. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Nice question. <laughs> Please move on. You know. But on the other hand, you have spells that ha- give you foresight that literally state foresight. Right. They're not necessarily a ability bonus, but it's something that gives you an edge in combat. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a form of divination. Of course it is. In that sense. So that in those cases, you're giving them advantage, for instance, Mm -hmm. on on a a combative type of role where like, yeah, maybe there's that instance where you go to do something and 
there's an effect change. Mm-hmm. That isn't something that could happen. That's something that the role gives the could. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to how you explain the situation to change that. There's – um, uh, I think what you're talking about is the true strike. I think is, is the name of the spell that you're referring to. Um, yeah. There's actually uh, uh, one of my um, – uh, one of my uh, – of Sean's uh, favorite authors is Brandon Sanderson. He wrote this whole uh, uh, series of book called The Mistborn Series. Mm-hmm. And in there, uh, the magic system that Brandon Sanderson wrote about, um, there are different metals mm-hmm. and alloys that you can actually imbibe okay. to give you certain powers. Gotcha. And uh, one of the – one of the, the special metals um, allows you to see – one or two seconds into the future. Okay. And so basically anybody who can use this particular this particular ability right. essentially becomes an unstoppable killing machine because I already know where you're going to dodge, dude. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so I I not only know that you're going to dodge three feet to the right, but I know you're also going to try to sweep my leg out from under me. So I'm already jumping and striking to the right when I make my next move. So right. not only do I hit you, but you miss me, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and – I. I like that in Foresight. Uh-huh. Um, but then you shift gears immediately to something like – system-wise, so like 7C. Uh-huh. There's literally a class called – you know, that where you're basically a fate witch. Yep. Where you're dealing with fate. Now, they handle divination differently. And I I find it – I found it a bit challenging to work with. Well, 7C handles all magic differently. It's – but it, it really does. It, yeah. it takes a twist. But particularly this one. Um, so – in it, they have strands of fate, which are cups, staves, swords, uh, and uh, staves, swords, and what am I missing? Staves, swords, cups, coins. Coins. Thank you. So, um, or pentacles, depending right. on where you go with that. Um, so you have cups for passion. Mm-hmm. You have coins for commerce. You have swords for conflict and staves for authority. Yep. As you grow within the abilities, you get the ability to sense at first what's going on. You then have uh, – apparently our stream went dead. Oh, I hope it comes back. Well, well one person's stream went dead. Yep. I don't know if it would be. Um, so you have the start with, with the uh, – a, a, basically a degree where you can sense things. You can tell the connections between someone Mm -hmm. that is strong, whether it be passion, whether it be commerce between two individuals. Second, you can tug or stretch them. So in other words, I can say like, hey, I can see that this person and this person have a very strong bond with commerce. I'm going to weaken that just a bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take that and just, I don't know, bring it down a level or two so that maybe things aren't going so well for them. And then finally, at your top levels, you can either create a strand or cut one, which is, has its own dangers in it. Oh, yeah. Um, So doing this, it is less about seeing the future, but more about affecting it. Mm -hmm. Because when you're stretching or or, um, shrinking, you're literally saying, okay, I'm changing the way the bonding between two individuals or between an individual and something. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, I can say like, well, if you know this prince and this merchant have an amazing bond and this great commerce between them and I start bringing that down, maybe it affects their perception of each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe something comes in like maybe the one guy's – the prince's son is now found to be cheating on the merchant's daughter. 
that they were supposed to be married and it's found out mm-hmm. on the wedding day. Then that starts breaking down that connection. Again, that's all things that are happening because they're giving caveat to the story. They're given a little bit of editing. Right, right. You know, and I think that kind of divination is a different form of yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly different because in a lot of, I mean, in a lot of games, I mean, fifth, uh, like fifth edition specifically, you either glean like an immediate mechanical effect out of it, like you said, like getting an mm-hmm. advantage on your next yep. attack or something like yeah. that, or it gives you information, right? You know, wheel or woe, or even just up to like scrying or something like that, where you're going to get a, you know, uh, get to to spy on a remote location or something like that. Right. But this allows you to kind of just like dip your fingers right directly into the plot and just right. be like, hold on a second. I, I see the strings that literally control the system here. Let me tug on a few of them. Right. And or, see where this or gets break us. them. Yeah. At, at high enough levels, mm-hmm. you know. I mean it's it's reminiscent to saying like wish. Like I wish this person didn't exist. Yeah. Like that's some powerful crap right there. Mm-hmm. Um and then you have something which I read about more than anything else, which is like Destiny, mm-hmm. which is a system where instead of the divination being a normal kind of thing that you do, you ask a question and the response creates an entry, basically a hard entry in the mm-hmm. world. You know, if you ask the question, where will I find the Sword of Might? And the storyteller goes, you, fi- you will find it in the darkest forest. Guess what? That is now a rule. It is going to be found in the darkest forest, you know, and that's, I think, true judicious editing. You're Mm -hmm. giving the players a GM tool to a degree. Yep. You're giving ultimate truth. You know, in those kind of things. And that system literally uses it as truth. And and so it's a little bit dangerous, but uh, at the same time, it can be a lot of fun if that's the sort of game that you're playing. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it depends on, on the sort of control that you want and need over your plot. Right. Um, I don't I don't think I would personally do that in my fifth edition game. But like in a game like, say, Adventure. Um, you know, they've already got rules for like dramatic editing. In right. It, where, uh, you know, you do uh, leave blank spots on the map. You know, right. you leave plot holes. You just kind of have a – you have things that are going on, but you don't have something written, 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 right. you know. And so when you have that opportunity to write things in, this can be a really great system for just going, OK, it is now destined that you will find it there. Right. And I, I, I like it. I think it's – Yeah. I think it's very – it's a different form of storytelling. It's mm-hmm. the – it is the more cooperative sense. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um. You what? you're just gonna this, play with that cable. I okay. I'm not playing with the cable. I am. It's dangling down like where my right hand literally is, and every time I bump it, and Kate, Kate is Kate is giving me the look. Gonna, she, she's not. She's. She, <laughs> I'm just gonna need to ask you not to look at it. Breathe near it. Don't touch it. No eye contact. <laughs> I would she say has been staring daggers at me since the t- second time I bumped the it's cable. And that has been three. So I am officially on Kate's shit list. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to get a golf county. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Click, click. You'll be like the person at the front of uh, Sam's Club checking people in and doing the count. She's she's over there the blackboard like minutes since Sarah bumped cable and she's like erasing the three and putting yeah. a zero in there, there now. You <laughs> so knowing that we've got these types of things, I think one of the biggest things that I wanted to kind of, or not one of the biggest things, but one of the the kind of midpoints is this can cause problems between players and storytellers. Yes. Um, And it, it kind of comes in three flavors that I was looking at. And that is, is when you give too much information, you know, you have uh, players always kind of having the upper hand. Mm-hmm. 
and I think this that's really where where the adversarial you know thing comes from because DMs don't want the players to always have the upper hand. Then it cheapens the plot and it cheapens everything, and they just walk all over your your big bad evil guy and stuff like that. So I think there's a <laughs> wow wow I feel called out. <laughs> what? <laughs> You didn't divine anything. No, no. we didn't. Was, we just was, kicked his ass. No, huh? you just kicked his ass. That was a, that was complete other failure on Let's my be, part. Yeah. Let's be honest. Um, but uh, but but no, I, I think that's I think that's really the source right there. Is is that whole like giving too much information, which gives too much power, and then players will use that power to utterly trivialize the big bad evil guy. But then know? if you give too little mm-hmm. or useless information. Then it's not even worth it. Well, not only that, but the investment that the players have done is mm-hmm. to waste. Yes. You know, if they don't under, you know, and then you have the, the kind of mid range in there, which is it's too cryptic. You know, where you've got, you know, you give them a riddle that honestly they just aren't good at. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they or they read it totally wrong. And now you're like, you know, oh, ha, 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 you got to the end and you actually thought it was going to be water that would destroy the witch. But in fact, what I meant to say by falling from the sky was a lightning bolt and you just didn't recognize that. You know, like, mm-hmm. well, shit, how are we supposed to figure that out from your cryptic riddle? Right. You know, right. and I think I think the difference comes in is that is it given by plot or did the players make an action and 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 basically make an an effort to to do a discovery. And if that is coming out, then that needs to be fact, or it needs to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's where things come back. Is that if you're if you're just giving exposition in a divinational way, you know, where nobody's divining, you know, or or it is a a lesser divination type of thing where it's a yes no answer and you're you're basically waffling because that there really is no yes no answer that's one thing but if you're getting to a point where they're communing like it's a you know they're shooting off fifth to seventh level spells or doing specific rituals or spending you know in certain systems spending assets of their player like in 7C using uh you know that could cost them Oh yeah, because you know, in Seven C, what is it? You you have to like essentially take on bad luck dice correct. into your pool, correct, to affect fate in a positive manner, correct. Well, and, or and then, take damage, and then when those when those bad luck dice come up certain ways, it like compounds failure correct. for you. Well, it causes fate lashes, which are permanent damage. Oh, okay, so not, there, not so damage there's you can, that. Yeah, so not like damage you can recover, but literally lashes of fate on your body, which like literally takes monumental things to get rid of those that those permanently removed dice it's kind of like if uh if a fighter uh, gets touched by a ghost but could never recover those hit points oh, without yeah, yeah, spending yeah. a level okay so important safety tip yeah yeah <laughs> if you're going to be a fate witch be careful yeah 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 um you know success is great but the whole thing is is that if they're spending to do it mm-hmm. then they should get a positive result. You should, yeah. You should get some some sort of some sort of thing out of it. Yeah. Uh, Knox in the box is asking uh, divination that provides a misleading perspective. Good, bad, true events, but shown with an odd angle. Again, I think if it's exposition and it's perception based, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. But I think if like if they do scrying on somebody and you're deliberately red herring herring them. Because like like the, I want to scry on this guy who's the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. And when the you know when the eye of scrying looks in the area, they basically see him having you know boning some girl, and you're like, okay, well, what am I getting out of this? You know, free porn. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah. But it's like <laughs> you know, is that helpful to them? Yeah. Or do they see that he's on a ship? 
Right. You know, and you, they can see that like maybe there's uh, – they can see the, the flag of the Marauders. You know, that that's the captain of the Marauders that he's with right now in bed. Yeah. Okay, I, so that gives you some things. But maybe it's a red herring because he's actually not there and the whole thing was set up. I think that's a misnomer. I think that's improper. Yeah, I, I think um, uh, you should, definitely shouldn't be deliberately misleading. Correct. Because, again, um, they're paying for this. Yeah, if, if, they, if they draw incorrect conclusions, that's on them. Now, on the other hand, if it's expositional, I would say – like for instance, they come up to a pool and someone who's not doing a formal divination that's part of a spell or something mm-hmm. and like, you know, oh, this pool is a scrying pool and you know, oh, that's right. That means we could do this to it and they, you know, do something and it's minor and that gives them a view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe then because it's expositional. Sure. You know, it's not something that they're actively investing in. One of the one of the things that, that, that got me actually thinking about this too was um, like in your 7th C games, mm-hmm. it's very very common for you and I and I again I, I don't really know much about storytelling seven C so maybe, right. maybe this is even like suggested outright in the sure. rules. Um but using those meanwhile scenes right. oh, yeah. where you literally just expose a scene that like the bad guys are doing. Yeah. And you have, you know, the the Inquisition coming in and shaking down the local merchants for information mm-hmm. about us. And like we are Dozens of miles away from this when when this happens, you right. know, and, and we it's not something we're overseeing. It's literally just the camera cuts away. Yeah. And now here is this scene of these Inquisition people going, you know, you tell us the last place that you saw them. Which direction were they heading? Well, they were heading east. And then we're all sitting at the table going, oh, crap, we went east. Yeah. Now they're, they're on to us, but we don't know that in character. But it was really cool to hear that they're mm-hmm. on to us. And now there's this sense of dread, you know. Yeah. Um. But I think, you know, in, in other systems where it's not as explicitly stated that, you know, you should do something like that, mm-hmm. less less cinematic systems, I suppose. Right. Divinations, especially like scrying and stuff like that, offers you this really choice opportunity to do exactly. that. Exactly. You want to see what the big bad guy is doing? Oh, absolutely. Drop in a scene that will light their eyeballs on fire. Yeah. He is He is knocking on the door of the ancient temple that you were trying to stop him from getting into an oh, crap. You yeah, know? yeah. I, I I always like giving direct truths. Like, for instance, in the case of the Seven C game that you're talking about, um, I had a Fate Witch in it who was very powerful and very directed. Mm-hmm. And so I literally told all the other players, we're going to play out a scene. I want you to act like everything is going as it's going. But understand, I'm going to cut it at some point and it will be a dream. So if your characters are going to die, just accept it. Oh, was this the, the ambush with the characters? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I remember so, that. So we went through the whole scene. The mm-hmm. one player who was the, who was the diviner in us didn't know. Mm-hmm. But everyone else knew what was going on. We played through the entire scene. Two characters died basically think, or were unconscious. one of them was mine. Yeah, were unconscious. <laughs> Another one, she, got, she had run off into the woods mm-hmm. and in the woods she was caught. Yeah. And and saw who it was who was really orchestrating the whole thing. And moments before her own death, she wakes and everybody is just right there back at breakfast. And she's like, what happened? What do you mean what happened? What happened? Uh, it's they, they didn't give me any hot sauce for my And everybody went, what happened? And yeah. what was neat was you all just went right back to the moment that things started uh-huh. and, and like didn't. And she was just like, I said, and it feels like it was all a dream. You start getting the carriage ready for heading out. And literally everyone replayed their and moments. And then just start redoing the, the scene, scene. And, and like trying to think back like, what did I say at this point? Oh, that's right. You that's know? right. And it was beautiful mm-hmm. and it was wonderful. And I think it showed the impact of how powerful her character really was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it was a fun scene to do that way. Yeah. It gave a little bit of framing for how dangerous things were about to be. It took a lot of prep work. But I think I think everyone involved, especially the diviner herself, really got a great mm-hmm. great experience out of that scene. I, and I, I mean, I was just one of the extras in it. Yep. But, you yep. know, but and I that's remember the it was thing amazing is, is that I think you can do certain things. Mm hmm. To make divination be a positive thing in your game. Yeah. And I, I kind of outlined some points, but I think these points are kind of valid to everything. Um, but I'm going to focus on divination just because I think that all players matter. I think that regardless of whether they're a fighter or a bard or a thief, they all matter. So, yeah, yeah. Whatever you're, whatever you're in that group to do, you should be able to do. And as a storyteller, you need to be prepared for yes. it. Yes. If you see a character who's literally remembering divination – or moving down that path, mm-hmm. be prepared for it. Oh well, it's like, like we said a dozen times before. You know, be mm-hmm. a, be a fan of your character. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Um. So, literally, my first point was be prepared. Oh yeah. If you have a D and D person who's doing it, be prepared for it. If you're doing something like Seventh C, where a person is going for future sight, you know, or an adventure game, mm-hmm. or any of those games where you've got that as a possibility, if you're unprepared for them to be able to do that at that level. Maybe steer them away, but challenge yourself a little bit. Yeah. Be a fan of them. Give them access a little bit mm-hmm. and be prepared for those scenes and work with them on how you want to do those things out. Because it may, you may need to do some house differences for it in mm-hmm. the game. Because not a lot of game systems are great at describing how you should react. I think 5th edition did a good job after all the editions mm-hmm. of making what divination really is. And even they kind of just give you a very soft edge. Yeah. At the higher levels. Yeah. Whereas like 7C is just like, give it to them. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how it comes out. You can be a little cryptic, but for the most part, boom, give it to them. And then just add a lot of flavor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So. Uh, the other the other thing I think about uh, being prepared to is uh, a lot of times we're very in the moment as storytellers. And mm-hmm. um, we, you know, we're really focused on where the group is and what the group is doing. Yep. But if you've got someone who can scry or can see the future or something like mm-hmm. that in their group, um, you do need to keep in mind, at least at least just in the back of your head, just a few little notes about what maybe your villain is doing. In general. What maybe some of his henchmen are up to at any given moment. Right. You don't need to know exact dialogue or exact settings or anything. Like that. Just, just think like, okay, if they scry on the big bad evil guy, mm-hmm. what's chances he's doing something right now? Right. You know? Right. So – and give him something for it. Give sure. him some. Make make him be doing something. Right. You don't want to just catch him on the toilet. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that's just silly. He's, he's playing words with friends on the on the crapper. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There you go. There's there's your fourth level spell. Yeah. I I think on the other hand, you also kind of need to make sure you're consistent. Mm-hmm. So at various levels of what you're doing, you can't just be at the beginning very, you know, very open and honest with them, and then suddenly like you know. Five sessions in, suddenly when they scry, it's cryptic and and blurry. You know, right. you can't quite make out everyone, but you can tell what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. it's like no, either either make the expectations straightforward or always give them that same perception, that mm-hmm. same odd kind of glossy protection, and make sure that uh, the NPCs are also in that same style. In other words, you can't say, you know, uh, that there is a, a an opposed role all the time. If there's an opposed role, make an opposed role and make it obvious and make a narrative of it. 
But if it, you know, if you're not doing it that way, then it doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. There has to be consistency there. Yeah. And in you know, if if there's one person who's taught me consistency over and over again, <laughs> it's Overwatch. And he drives me nuts about it, but it's if you don't have consistency in your game, you will lose your players. You, you will. will lose interest. You will. So remember consistency. It's important. And if you have to break consistency because something's not working right, mm-hmm. be honest about breaking consistency about oh, what yeah. you have to change. Bring it right up with your players and just yeah. be like, all right, look, guys, we've been seeing this happen and I'm not liking the direction that's going in the game. Can right. we discuss a, a house rule or something? You right. Know? Or I read this wrong. or Yeah, or just outright I, I effed up. Yeah, yeah. and th- we're going to keep going with mm-hmm. this direction, but understand I'm going to have to re- rephrase this at some point in my mind, maybe another game. Yeah. You know, but I will keep it this way because I screwed it up the first time and mm-hmm. we're just going to keep going in that direction. Players are people. They'll understand. Exactly. Um, crafty. That's This is where things get a little gray. Yeah. And this is where I, I think you can play a little bit of the red herring card um, early. I don't think that everything needs to be done this way. I still think you need to give honesty and insight. But for instance, if your player insert, you know, like in the case of Heaven C, if I look at a certain villain and I say, you know, I want to see this villain's strands because I, I, you know, he's at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. I want to know what his strongest strands are. Make a roll. Oh, you had a successful roll. But not a super successful role. So maybe you can only you can only see the the strongest and the first one after that. Mm-hmm. So you see, you know, the strand between the, him and the primary protagonist, and it's it's obviously conflict. But his next strand is a love strand to the mayor's wife. Ooh. Exactly. And you're like, okay, <laughs> so there's something going on there. Yeah. And it could be a subplot uh-huh. that really has nothing to do with the main plot, but maybe there is a bubbling romance there. Sure. You know, that you could play with. It's still a truth. It is still something that could be used mm-hmm. and is still a benefit, but it's not the main plot. <laughs> right, right. I'm not just handing you, you know, oh, yeah, and he's doing this and yeah. he's doing that. It's you like, know. no, he's actually got like a crush on a married woman and yeah. there's like a little thing going on there, you yeah. know. Nor am I scrying his desk while, you know, he's working in his office mm-hmm. and I'm watching him sign away, you know, all of these things under someone else's name. And then he picks up a stamp and stamps on it and it's this other guy's document, you know, but it's clearly him doing it. And that document is, you know, shipping order of something and mm-hmm. you're like oh that must be important but in fact what i what i what you failed to notice that was the document directly underneath it was you know was the one that you was where he's going to you know where the actual shipment's going to no you're never going to red herring a scry a scry tells you yep. a truth yeah and a truth that's important you know i'll red herring if you break into his office and search around and fail you know and don't make your investigation roll i might give you a red herring there you know, but if you've spent the time and done it, I see no problem with it, you know, being something that is additional. Mm-hmm. So um, riddles and half-truths I've always had a problem with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just because not all players are as crafty, it you know, as players, but their characters might be. I saw a uh, I saw a, a, a great post on Tumblr, I think it was. It was something effective like um, – Googling riddles for toddlers or something like that nice. for their for the D and D game, and somebody was like, "Wow, that's just insulting!" And everyone, like, there were a couple of people kind of jumped in and were like, "No, really, though." Yeah, like 
you know, we're not like master cryptographers. No. And a lot of people, you know, especially when you've got a lot of other stuff going on and there's goblins attacking this town yeah. over here and the princess is still missing and the dragon might be actually a super wizard or something yeah. like that. You know, there's a lot of other information going on than just, you know, how do we solve this complex riddle? And not every, uh, you know, session of D&D needs to turn into the damn Da Vinci code, you know. Oh, my God. Exactly. So, so yeah, toddlers for, you know, riddles for toddlers. Like, yeah. Yeah, not, not everybody's brain works the same way. Exactly. And uh, th- that's kind of one of the questions that came out uh, of this was the one that I posted for everybody, which was, when do you give your players help or do you give your players help? Mm-hmm. And I think that. With stuff like riddles mm-hmm. and ciphers and stuff like that, you you have to be careful. It'd be one thing to give it in that form and then let them kind of mull it a little bit right there and then in meta be like, this is what your character understands it to mean. You know? Mm-hmm. And at that point, you've given this beautiful environmental fun thing because, you know, the the person was communing with the master of riddles. You know, to get an answer and you knew it was going to be cryptic. But at the same time, he knows what it means. Yeah. He's pretty he's pretty confident. He's he's got a an answer on it. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. But you still made it beautiful, you know. Sure. <laughs> I'm no, I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the puzzles and riddles section. So what it really comes down to is have fun. I think that divination can come in all flavors. Mm-hmm. I think that players should be able to play with that. I think that, you know, if they want to do divine in a specific way, let them do it that way. I think you can have a lot of fun with that. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. that the, the spell is one thing. I think the ritual act of doing it can be another, and you can have a lot of fun with that. But be aware that some people consider that a faith. And like my wife originally when we started 7C was very concerned about their use of tarot mm-hmm. in the game. Yeah. And I, again, had to help reminder, it is a randomization. Mm-hmm. Like there's a way – there's a system in the game where you can literally use a tarot deck to come up with the background and skills for your character mm-hmm. instead of picking them. And I think that's neat. It's a, it's a randomizing oh, kind of great. fun yeah. way to do it. Yeah. But at the same time, she's like, I'm not pulling cards out of a tarot deck for my character. Mm-hmm. Like that. that's almost like blasphemy. And I'm like – I'm with you. We're not actually using a tarot deck. We're coming up with a randomizing method, and they just found this as a neat randomizing method. Right, but right. be aware that that might be something that your players could take a little bit of offense to sure. um, at any time. Uh, at the same time, like we talked about with like True Strike, um, in, difference from, in the difference from advantage makes for uh, making a difference in combat, add some flavor. You know, let the – uh, let the act that the mage did, you know, and in giving the person mm-hmm. true strike mean something, you know, that there was foresight that somehow they gave them like, you know, you remember back to when they touched you a, a quick flash of uh, the armor laying on the ground that you had recovered from uh, from the armory was worn and the straps were broken. So instead of slashing your sword down you decide to turn and slash up just under the plate, breaking free the plate and uh-huh. gashing the arm completely. Yep. So that's the advantage, disadvantage. You you had foresight there. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of adds some flavor and gives kudos back to the person who did it. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show about uh, one of my favorite um, uh, storytellings of, uh, of, of a divination in play. 
uh, and that was uh, from the – actually the, the Demon the Fallen book by White Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a couple of a couple of demons that were – they were in some sort of massive battle and one was basically about to just like uh, death stroke the other. Right. Um, and uh, in that last second before the blow landed, he used one of his abilities, basically allowed him to see fate and uh, – uh, reality shatters like glass in front of him and there are thousands of facets of of glistening reality essentially dangling like a broken mirror in in, in, the, in the air before him and he starts really quickly looking over all of them each reflecting a different facet of a possible outcome to this mm-hmm. and he real quick like reaches up and grabs one and goes okay this one sucks i'm gonna fall off the roof but at least i live through this one right and when he grabs the, p- the piece of glass that event happens reality resumes and yep i, I like that i think it's really cool mm-hmm. um in in contrast to that i was reading a story uh where a uh Divine, a wizard whose new divination was trying to uh, find a little girl before she got sacrificed mm-hmm. and she had come to this waterfall and behind it was supposed to be this temple and she gets there to find it sacked and the object that's in there was kind of irrelevant but it was what text was written with it she she knew it was already going to be taken mm-hmm. she was just hoping the text wasn't destroyed and like a hundred years prior somebody had sacked it and she's like well shit it's useless so she's trying to figure out what she's like you know well i can't really go back in time she goes but maybe i can and so she changed reality or she looked at an alternate reality that was current to hers but where the thief who was breaking in there and sacked it wasn't like got stuck in the lock wasn't successful and, and so died never, so she yeah. comes here and now there's his bones but she's in this alternate reality and she knows how to get inside because she's already been in the tomb mm-hmm. and so she was able to get through the lock gets inside you know kind of ignores the stuff that's laying around but finds the one document she needs reads it mm-hmm. and then takes another step and now she's through the waterfall right back to her normal time but she knows what was written on the text yeah and she yeah. can she can move on so i thought that was a really neat way of doing divi- that's a real cool way yeah, yeah. It was, it was, yeah. but it was just divination in a different way um the other thing that uh i was saying is that uh when you have something like uh a moment of power Mm-hmm. Or 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 a very powerful yes no. There's nothing to say that when they throw the bones and it comes up death, that it's just laying there in front of them like a stark reality. Remember, you still have mood that you can throw at. Oh it. yeah, like those bones could literally burst into flames. Mm-hmm. You know, or or you know, a, a plume of dark smoke rises from them, uh-huh. and suddenly it starts raining. Or the, you know. one, of, one of the one of the tropes I've always loved about like casting bones or runes or something yeah. like that has always been um, when they when they snap my, like mysteriously and almost magnetically into place. Yes, where like instead of just tumbling and like oh they landed you know where, wherever right. they would logically land when right. you cast them, all of a sudden they go and they rank up. Yeah, and, and you're it's like, like oh oh okay that's it's, it's not that's just going on it's not just yes it's very yes <laughs> yeah yeah uh t- somebody did uh, a thing that was uh they were uh um uh doing a ouija board mm-hmm. and it was the only thing that like this guy is like effectively um god no, i can't think of his name um 
Anywho, uh, he's a, a like a paranormal researcher, but actually is a demonologist. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of uses that as a cover. Sure. And like they're like, we need to find this girl like now. She's going to die. And he's like, he's looking around for anything, bones, stones, cards. He's like, do you have a deck of cards? No. Like, we, you know, my dad was a horrible gambler, so we don't have that. Like, you know, do you have anything? And he looks over in the corner and there's like games and he sees Ouija and he's like, son of a – and he grabs the Ouija board out, sets it down, put, takes the puck and he's just, he starts his – you know, uh, you know, hermetic magic. Mm-hmm. And as he's doing it, he like brings the puck. He's like, okay, now everybody put your hands on the puck. And then as soon as they all put their hands on the puck, they're like, oh my God, it's so hot. They move their hands off of it. It melts. And <laughs> then the Ouija board folds itself like origami to write out text. Oh my <laughs> and God. And he's like, well, that's kind of direct. <laughs> well, 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 hell. And I was <laughs> like, well, like, I guess it means we need to go to the church. Okay, we're going to the church. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy. Yeah. At least it worked. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but that's the kind of thing is, is that sometimes you need to have those powerful moments. And I think mm-hmm. divination allows you as a GM to basically smack the characters hard sometimes like yep. back to plot. Yeah. You know, so you can use it for that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, Lean into it. Yeah. And then use uh, – uh, allow that dramatic license to enhance the experience for that player. Because mm-hmm. again, you you have the flourishes from combat. We're all used to that. You know? yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. beautiful to go into lengthy details about how combat works out. I love how at the end of the finishing move, how do you want to finish it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You always do that. Like whether, you know, this this NPC is dying, how would you like to finish this off? And like our rogue, you know, dodges under the swing of the of the fighter, you know, coming up on the blind yep. spot of the enemy and like with her dagger just, you know, in, in a, as she's rising from the, you know, from the crouch, mm-hmm. drives it up under their sternum lifting them up off of the ground and then uses that momentum to just place them on their back driving that dagger home you know and that's a beautiful why, finish. Why aren't we doing that with 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 divinations? Or, why aren't or, yeah. really any other spells yeah. or anything like that? You Take know? it out of combat. Like social combat is the same way. There's no reason why you can't do that in all aspects. Mm-hmm. Take the time, think about it, register that the players are making an effort and Add a flourish to it. Yeah. Give them something a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, every aspect can have a little bit of flavor. Be a fan of your players. There you go. There Mm -hmm. you go. Right back to it. Yeah. All right. We are, I think, into questions. I think we have good questions Mm -hmm. that are are fun, functional questions. Um, And I'm hoping that – okay, Knox is back. Whew. Worried. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> yes, he, he you plays, do. He plays a shadow monk in our yeah, uh, in our, yeah. in our thing. Yeah, Definitely. no, absolutely, man. Yeah, d- go don't, do it. Don't don't just say flurry of blows. No. Tell us what those blows right. are, man. That's right. That's right. You know. All right. So and I- remember, for doing dope monk shit, unarmed strike means kicks, punches, knees, head butts, elbows, flying butt pliers, whatever. <laughs> yes. Don't call it a butt slam. <laughs> butt slam. Change my mind. You can call it a butt slam. <laughs> All right, so let's hit some of these up. Um, I'm actually going to start with uh, Technolich. Um, okay. Should divination of future events be solid information or possible future? Depends. Depends. Um, I would say if the divination – again, I come back to did the players make a cost now? Like was there cost? Yep. Was there effort? Was there cost? Was 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 time and effort? Is it a specific class? Is there energy put forth against that at a certain – yes. Then I think it should have a beneficial – positive frame for that player on the other hand if it's meant to be expositional it's possible you know um foresight is just that it's foresight you know you can tell them 
that if they follow these events, this is the outcome. Mm-hmm. And then you set those events as options. If they don't make those events, then they know the outcome's going to be different. Yeah. You know, like how do you know, how do I catch him? And you're like you see a water pitcher sitting on the edge of a wall, just barely set down by a maiden. It's a, on the second floor. As the as the view slowly changes down to the courtyard, you see, you know, uh, Vinsoni, the man you're looking for, standing directly underneath it. And then it tips slightly off the ledge and starts to tumble. Down down that's it so there's a pitcher if we knock the pitcher off the ledge when he's underneath it we'll get him i don't know and then combat starts Uh uh-huh and as you you're like okay well you know he just got away no no he didn't i go to the second floor you see a pitcher on a ledge i shove it off (laughs) you hear a shattering noise and a bunch of people scurrying below asking if he's okay yep there you go yep and that's the thing is that you can foreshadow and give them something, but it doesn't necessarily have to change the outcome of the fight because they may have won that fight clearly and done something totally different in sure. which the pitcher is still there. They just got him a different way. Yeah. If Terminator, On the other if, hand. <laughs> if Terminator taught us anything, it's, there is no future but what we make for ourselves. <laughs> I suppose that's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're, I, you know what? We're, we're not going to get into into time looping and, and for, you know what? I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> Hit me another question. All right. Uh, so Overwatch would like to know, the old misconstrued prophecy chestnut. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Use it in your games? Have you had it used on you? I've had it used on me once. Mm-hmm. I've used it in a game. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say that I don't necessarily – I like it as a plot device, but I think discovery of what it is comes to a truth yeah yeah uh i've never had it used on me in a game i have only ever used a prophecy once in a game and it was not a misconstrued one right it was a it was a blatant truth given to the players uh and I think I think I agree with you. I think if it's misconstrued, I think it it needs to come to a truth. Like I don't think it. I don't think it's. I don't think you use it to screw the players over. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, uh, kind of like. Uh, and this isn't really a prophecy as mm-hmm. much, but but it kind of fits where I'm where I'm thinking with it. Is like the whole uh, Nazgul thing, the Witch King only being able. You know, no man can kill me. Right. Well, I am no man. Right. You know, it's kind it's kind of along those lines of like, you know, uh, uh, it's it's prophecy that, you know, no man will be able to do such and such and such a thing. Right. So a woman hero steps up and does it. Sure. Like, and everybody thought like, oh, my God, this was impossible. No, the prophecy said no man. Right. Like, period. Right. You know. Right. We were trying to give you a framing of it. Like, right. I, I, I think I think maybe that's how you use it. I like that. I like um, that. But again, I wouldn't put that into divination so much as that is plot. Yeah, that's that's more it's, that's it's more exposition. Well, yeah, but but I mean, but, but it's still it's 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 still a prophecy. Yeah, you know, right, right, I mean, right. your prophecies are going to be part of your plot. Yeah, right. sure. I mean, uh, Thor Ragnarok had a good one in the mm-hmm. sense that he had a constant dream of 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 Ragnarok happening mm-hmm. and destroying his lands, like, and he had to stop it. 
and then he realized that it, he wasn't dreaming about it so he could stop it. He was dreaming about it so he could cause it. Right. Yeah. That it would come about and that would end the terror right. that right. was about to behold. And I think that was interesting mm-hmm. and it was good discovery. Yeah. And I think as a as a continuing story where you have players who have who have the means of discovery like that, there's there's nothing to say that they couldn't have come to that resolution a lot sooner. But it works – I think the more cryptic you get, the more pu- more prophecy you put in, I think you – the farther you get away from whether your players are going to understand it or give a crap about it. Mm-hmm. So, yep. All right. Yep. Hit me. What have we got? Uh, Nox, should divination be done with one system or method only like commune or speak with dead to keep it simple to follow or purposely vague with various signalers? Signifiers. Uh, uh, so I don't think it should ever – I don't think any of your storytelling should ever be the same way twice. Um, from the standpoint of like each individual character is their own individual thing. Um, yes. So Knox, I know you are a you, – you watch Critical Role. So I'm going to phrase it a little bit like this. Um, so when Jester uses her divinations mm-hmm. um, because she worships the god of mischief, the Traveler, um, he appears to her in his green cloak just on the edge of her of her vision and he gives her very directive, maybe a little um, playful answers. Mm-hmm. Whereas when Caduceus, who is a nature – um, worshiper mm-hmm. and uh, follows the wild mother uses his scrying um, oftentimes his answers come in very very easy to interpret but uh, things like shifts and temperatures of the winds or mm-hmm. scents that, mm-hmm. that that may drift across him or you know flower petals wilting before him as they catch his attention or something right. um, so you know those are very different styles and methods for the exact same spells mm-hmm. to be to be story told you know whether or not you're you, you know you commune with dead and a ghost appears before you out of a grave mm-hmm. or the gravestone itself shifts and gives you words for or, a moment or, or or you know speak with dead does does the does the corpse actually take a deep breath and look up at you does it become animated for a time or does it or do you just hear ghostly whispers from its completely inanimate form yeah you know? or does it take the body and shape of the person who it what like fully animates sits up has a drink and a conversation with you right right you know i think that has a lot to do with the scene and what what is meant to be told so i would say start with what the player wants to do and then add flavor no different yeah. than combat and some some of that too is going to depend on the mood mm-hmm. too totally. you know if you want something spooky then yeah absolutely have that rotten corpse animate and describe how its dead you know swollen tongue is flopping around inside of its mouth and you know etc or if you're looking for something maybe a little more uplifting and hopeful have the you know the 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 slightly glowing you know softly glowing translucent spirit of the dead body step up beside you and go oh is that me you're like yes friend i'm sorry it is but i need to ask you some questions of of course sit with me for a while and we'll talk you know or go for a walk yeah you know there there can be a lot a lot of different ways of adjudicating it for for evoking different things right right um and there's nothing to say that you can't do something as crazy as like in Paranorman at the very end where literally there was combat effectively happening. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the moment where reality shifts and suddenly he's standing there with the original person 
in a totally different place having a conversation and then wakes up next to the tree mm-hmm. in contemporary day and everyone's like, are you OK? You got knocked out right at the end of the fight. Oh. No, I think everything's going to be just fine. Yeah. You know, and that's – that. you can have those types of moments as well mm-hmm. um, where it doesn't break contigu- you know, continuity for everyone else. Yeah, sure. So – all right, hit me with another one. All right, so Vedran, mm-hmm. uh, Vedran comes in with, uh, how do you balance powers like divination uh, between utility slash fun and potentiality uh, potentiality of game breaking elements? I think it depends on the system. I think most systems take good care of what you're allowed to give, mm-hmm. but I think that game breaking is a hard thing to really frame. Because what is game breaking versus what is the player successful at? Yeah, that's 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 my big, I uh, not not problem with the question, but you see where I'm going with yeah. it. Like that that's my that's my sticking point with this is yeah. What how do you define game breaking? Right. You know is is telling the, uh, uh you know is 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 telling the, the the players that you know the the ancient king is asleep in his tomb. Um, you know, undisturbed is that game breaking, or is it game breaking to say that you know in his tomb with him he has you know two other two other caskets with him, or I, I don't know. I mean, right. you know, the, where where do you hit the game breaking point? Right. You know. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and that's that's where I'm kind of I I concern myself with what people consider game breaking. Mm-hmm. You know, if the player, like in the case of Seven C, makes a success that's twenty five over. What the TN for success was for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they got the raises to get the values that they needed. Sure, they're going to get a ton of information out of that. Yeah, sure. That's 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 no different than a crit or a double crit or however you want to say it, you know, mm-hmm. in whatever system. You know, yeah, shit's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, keeping in mind, too, that, you know, especially spells like scrying and whatnot that allow you to glean information or even maybe spy upon the big bad evil guy, not necessarily even – uh, even game breaking in and of themselves because you still have to act upon that information. Yeah. You know, knowing that uh, – and this is this is kind of one of the you know, like the current sort of ish plots in, in Critical Role right now mm-hmm. is like even knowing that the big bad evil guy is heading to this ancient tomb right. to get this powerful artifact to resurrect this ancient evil. Right. Does you no good unless you can stop him from getting the right. art of, you know, right. you still have to act on that information. Like, that's great. You know exactly where he's going. Good luck. You know, another perfect example. I wouldn't say perfect example, but a good example mm-hmm. is uh, Luke on the ship. My father's on that ship. I oh, yeah. Come. I'm endangering the mission. I right. Shouldn't, I shouldn't be here. The question is, did he divine vader or did he realize vader was divining, divining him? him or was and, it reciprocal mm. you know and that's you, you look at moments like that and that is powerful in both directions uh-huh. so don't just think about it one way you know if your wizards can define or can detect it use it on them be like there's a scrying eye on you right now you can feel its presence uh-huh it's watching everything even your thoughts like oh crap you know he they know about us yeah you know kind of a thing Mm -hmm. you know at that point you you feel a little off you know or maybe a player maybe somebody else has foresight on the npc team yeah and suddenly like an attack just feels weird like how how did he know i was gonna do that Mm -hmm. shit happens sometimes so i i think that you've got 
a lot of potential game-breaking that people would see as game-breaking, but it actually can just create some very dramatic moments. Mm-hmm. So well, what's really going to bake your noodle later yeah. is would you have still broken it had I not said anything? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of my favorite divination-related yeah. lines ever. No, and, and yet she's like, and you're going to leave here and you're going to feel right as rain. Yep. And it's like, and he does, oddly. You know, mm-hmm. so cool. Let's get one more question in before we wrap this puppy up. All right. What is your favorite approach to divination in a game setting? This comes oh. from the Mad Elf. Seven C's grown on me. Okay. I don't think it's my favorite. Okay. I think the, um, I kind of like the, the editing idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, uh, Destiny does that. I, I want to say either. Aeon or Adventure does that. I can't remember. Uh, Adventure does it, but okay. it's not a divination thing. It's yeah. just it's it's more of a fate thing, right? That your characters are just fated to succeed, kind of stuff, and yeah. that that you know, fates kind of got their back. And so if they they know a guy, you know, right. and they, they they've got really phenomenally good luck. Yeah, and I I, I think that's I kind of like that that mm-hmm. editing because it then it incorporates the players more into the story. Yeah, yeah, so, that's definitely it. Yeah, um, I gotta say, for, probably for my answer, uh, I, I'm I'm a big fan of like the entire school of divination in in, in Dungeons and Dragons, specifically okay. Fifth Edition. Okay, um, because I, I I I like the multiple different facets it takes. Okay, and um, unlike previous editions, I think playing a diviner wizard is a an honest to goodness great choice. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, uh, like, first off, uh, the, the the school of divination gives you the ability to uh, just at the beginning of the game session, you just roll two d twenty, and you just write those numbers down. Whether they're yeah. good or bad, you just write them down. Yeah. And then during play, you can basically substitute any die twenty roll with that number, yours or theirs, yours or theirs, any die twenty roll. Yeah. So you know the ogre takes a big swing at you, and you rolled a two earlier. You can just take that two, one of your one of your two numbers for the day, and mm-hmm. just say, "Yeah, no, the ogre has a two instead to hit me." Right. Or you know, you rolled a you rolled a nineteen, and you rolled an eight to hit. You can just make it a nineteen now. You know, yeah. it expends one of your two for the day, but it's just that little glimpse of foresight that your character gets, and that's just like a base level ability. That's not even a spell. Mm-hmm. You know, you start getting into the multiple different spells like auguries and right. scryings and true strike and, and commune and all that commune stuff, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And I, I really think that it, um, it offers you a lot of different options for fun gameplay as long as you do have a good storyteller that's willing to work with you on it. Mm-hmm. Not craft an adversarial relationship with you yep. about giving you the information and make it fun to role play. Like Luck the Gnome mm-hmm. is, is uh, I think, a fantastic character type yep. where basically like you use divination in the sense that you just kind of don't have bad things happen to you. <laughs> You know, your all of your your all of your kind of spell casting for divination just pushes you into the right places at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know that the merchant was looking for a rose petal because he needed one more for something, so it's exceptionally valuable to him. Mm-hmm. Funny that you know stuff like that. I I, I kind of I I just I think that's fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. We do have to kind of wrap up here. Um, next week. So next week's topic, um, I think we had that down as pacing. 
Yes. However, that was before Knox in the Box interjected. He did. So do we want to do pacing or we do, do we want to do the Knox in the Box mystery episode 3000? Mm. Tune in next time and find out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you know on the Discord, though. All right. Hit us up, Kate. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave. You can also find us on Instagram, also at ST underscore Conclave, and on Discord. Uh, I tweeted out the link for Discord again today, uh, but it is the pinned tweet on our Twitter profile, as well as in every single bit of show notes that, yes. we, that we put on there. So just click on the information for any any individual show, and you will see the, uh, the link to Discord. Join us on there. We'd love to have you join the discussion. Uh, shoot us some questions uh, for the discussion topic for the week. We'd love to see you there. Also please join us on Patreon if you'd like to support us uh, at patreon.com slash storyteller conclave, just like Knox did. Woo-hoo. All right. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Guy Frog. Uh, that can be found at uh, geefrogmusic.webly.com uh, or on Spotify under the same name. Uh, our outro music is Only in the Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. Uh, that can be found at freemusicarchive.org. We record here at Podcast Detroit. That's podcastdetroit.com or Twitter at Podcast Detroit. Our engineer tonight is Kate and always fantastic. Oh, we'd like to give a big shout out to our families, uh, Vicky and Sean. Thank you for supporting us. All of our friends for staying at our tables with us and playing these games over the years. And you, our listeners. Thank you. We love you. Good night, and good everybody. Night.